Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is John J.P. Podlasic of Game Dev Advice. I'm a 30-year veteran of the game development industry and have a podcast where I interview artists, animators, programmers, designers, CEOs, and all different types of people that work in the game development industry. Whether you're an aspiring or an experienced game developer, you'll find useful, thought-provoking, and sometimes funny advice on the podcast. So check it out. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah, you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com slash Arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as our $1 tier to show your support. Or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Arcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 193 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who has left off the Evo 2020 list, Robert Workman. I mean, uh, I, I, am I not a good fighting game? I mean, come on! <laughs> uh, obviously, we'll get into that little bit of discussion a little bit later, but today we're actually talking about a different franchise here, David. We're talking about Call of Duty. Over the years, it's really established into one of Activision's biggest franchises, if not its biggest franchise, and we're going to talk about our favorite memories from the series and everything like that and how much it's changed. But before we get into that, let's talk about changes that are happening outside of Call of Duty, namely with Rockstar. What's going on there? Yeah, so big change. Uh, so co-founder Dan Hauser is stepping down. So he's leaving the company entirely. Uh, and this comes after he uh, took like an, an extended break, basically, from the company uh, back in the spring of 2019. And, um, yeah, and then like, you know, and then he basically announced that his last day will be on March 11th, 2020. So um, so pretty big deal, because like Dan Hauser, as you can imagine, being the co-founder of the company, he had his hands basically on every single franchise from like Grand Theft Auto to Red Dead Redemption and all that. Um, so it's pretty big deal. Um, I know he, uh, he, he, you know, he founded the company along with his, uh, with his brother, Sam Hauser and Sam Hauser, uh, right now is the president of the company and that's not looking to change at any point. Um, so at least on the face of things, it looks like nothing is really going to change, but Robert, I have to ask you how big of a deal is this with Dan leaving? Oh, this is a very big deal. He's been involved with with the company almost since the whole thing began. I mean, he started with uh, Grand Theft Auto 1969 London, and he's been with pretty much every major release since then. He's even provided voice acting for a number of the Grand Theft Auto games. I mean, he's been in it for over 20-something years now. Maybe he's just exhausted. Maybe he's just tired. Sometimes people need a change in this industry. I mean, we even saw it with another example in which Rod Ferguson, uh, who's been working on Gears of War games for like the last decade and a half, and before that worked on other titles with Epic Games, he's leaving the coalition to go work with Blizzard on their Diablo series. Hmm. I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, Dan Hauser is just, you know, as much as he loves working on Rockstar Games, it can be an exhausting process. We're talking about, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 alone went through all those hours of crunch to get it put together. I mean, who knows how many nights he stayed awake to make sure the team was on track and everything. And maybe it just wore out on him. You know, he did take a break after spring 2019, like you said. So I think it's just a matter of he wants to do something else. Sometimes you feel that desire, you know, and I can't say I blame him. The only thing I'm questioning here is that the announcement came before take Two announced their financial results. I'm wondering, did the publisher do any sort of pressuring to get him out the door or was this entirely his decision? It doesn't really say. So. Yeah. I mean, I want to say it wasn't his, like it wasn't take two's decision. I want to say, um, I, I, I honestly think maybe because Dan Hauser has been at this for like a while, 
that um, he just wanted to kind of take a break or just wanted to get out of like games entirely, maybe. And as you mentioned, he's probably just like exhausted. I mean, you mentioned with like Gears of War just uh, you know just earlier there, uh, there was also Cliff Blazinski who like left like the games industry like entirely, basically because he's just yeah. kind of like I think sick and tired really of the. I don't know, the politics kind of like attached to it and just like dealing with like the fans and all that stuff. So maybe it's kind of a similar situation for Dan here, you know? But there's always a way back in. And that's kind of another thing that tied in with the Ferguson story is like after he left, Cliff Blazinski was all like, hey, Microsoft, I've got some ideas that we could apply toward Gears 6, your move. And I'm like, in like a consultancy kind of like way. Yeah. For sure, yeah. But still, he was such. He was like, "We're going to negotiate it and everything." Instead of like being optimist and everything, it's Blazinski, whatever, <laughs> whatever. But I mean, it, the the whole point is like, you know, you can be burnt out on something, and yet you could try to take, you know, a different direction with it. You could try something new, and it could work for the better. I mean, I'm excited to see what Ferguson does with Diablo Four because Diablo was already a great series. But you get a guy like that who understands how gameplay is supposed to work and multiplayer is supposed to work. I mean people are bound to get excited for Diablo 4 now if they didn't before, you know, and as for Dan Hauser, I mean, now he can relax and not have to worry about the crunch that's going to come from eventually what's going to be Grand Theft Auto 6 or mm. Bully 2 or whatever they're working Red with. Dead so, 3 or whatever, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, more dead Red, Red Dead Online, who knows, but I mean, I, I do wish Dan the best of luck, and I also wish Rod the best of luck. Uh, Cliff, just stay retired. Work on your Broadway play. <laughs> but eventually, everything comes back, and with coming back, Welcome back, the wonderful 101. Yes, sir, the Wii U game has returned Kickstarter style. Platinum Games had launched it earlier this week, and they were kind of hoping that they would make enough money to at least make a Switch version. They asked for $50,000. As we record this, they're sitting at about $1.4 million. So needless to say, they're back, David. Holy crap, are they back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And um, this, this is actually like kind of like interesting just because like the wonderful 101 from what I remember, it didn't sell well on the Wii U. But then again, it's the Wii U. So yeah, like that's also like a well. reason. Even like Bayonetta 2 bombed on the Wii U. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, like, it, you know, it, it's great to see that Platinum was, you know, was able to kind of get this out there and, um, you know, and all that because like, you know, they, they actually mentioned, uh, you know, during like an interview, uh, saying that they always wanted to self publish basically, but their limitations as a developer didn't allow them to do so. Um, so like they basically like mentioned like how like Nintendo basically gave them the, you know gave them like the blessing to do this because like the wonderful 101 as we like said it was a Wii U exclusive basically. What's actually kind of funny though is, you know as, as you mentioned there as well uh, you know with them having the goal of fifty thousand like that initial goal and mm-hmm. you're gonna have a lot of people out there who think oh fifty thousand that's all you need to make a game right? <laughs> no, I mean this this has been in development already because they say it's gonna be available like April twenty twenty apparently. It's very soon, yeah. Yeah, I mean well, wait, actually no, I take that back. I'm sorry, they bumped it to November, but they said you know this is to kind of help development. Something tells me that it's actually been in development for a little while. They just needed that little extra push to make sure the demand was there otherwise they probably would have scuttled it but come on people love the wonderful 101 and a couple of side notes that i think are interesting here first off they're going to be at pax they're going to have a small booth i have a feeling they're going to show off first gameplay footage there either that or it's going to be director hideki kamiya just standing around and doing the you can't see me thing because <laughs> that was one of the perks in the Kickstarter, you could be blocked by Kamiya forever. He'll tweet you, then he'll block you forever. Because being blocked by him is, is practically, it's a badge of honor. Mm. I'm blocked. You know, I thought you were sure. going to say that he was like the Japanese Cena or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might as well be the way he blocks everybody. I don't know. I mean, he, it's his thing. It really is. Uh, but it's just, it's kind of cool how they're going to that personal touch. Be like, if you want to be blocked by him, we can do that. It's no. optional. It's Enaba. <laughs> Get out of my face. You're blocked. But um, right. <laughs> you can't see me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm really hoping that they have something cool planned for, for PAX, but it's a very tiny boost. So they won't have like a big showcase. But if they show off gameplay footage from Wonderful 101 in, in regards to how it will work as a single player experience, because I think that's the biggest concern. When the Wii U version came out, you had the touch screen set up so you could see where your heroes were going next. I mean, they'll, I'm sure they'll adapt to something but I'm sure, i want to yeah. see how it works you know yeah i mean it, it would be cool if there was like a way and i don't know if there's like technologically like a way of doing this but like if you could have it like where you could use like the the nintendo switch like the handheld part of it anyway 
um, you know, as almost like the Wii U gamepad sense, but like still be able to see like the broader picture, I guess, on your like TV if you were to, if you're able to you know, play it like that. Um, I don't think there is a way of doing that, like you know, just by the Switch's technology. Um, but it would be cool. And like I imagine that they'll have like some like Switch exclusive like I don't know gameplay elements and like content and things like that. So I'm sure we'll see like a lot more in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping to see more of this. And you know, there there is a possibility that they'll do this again in the future. They mentioned that um, if Nintendo gives their blessing, they'd also like to bring Astral Chain to other platforms. It just really depends on. The I would be so down for that. I would be so down too. for that. <laughs> Me too. And you know, we're seeing Bayonetta one come back uh, next week with um, on the 18th with Vanquish in that high definition package so there's always the possibility i mean we won't see bayonetta 2 nintendo paid out the butt for that and they're going to keep mm. that and three but the others there's always a good chance and um also like another thing that we are seeing that i think we're both very excited for is the uh, double dragon and kunio kun retro brawler bundle uh so try saying that three times fast but um <laughs> basically this is a collection of 18 classic games from the two series uh so it's going to have three double dragon games and 15 kunio kun games i couldn't be more excited about this robert yeah i mean <laughs> I, I think i was crazy about the original double dragon more than the other two but it was still very cool and you know on top of that obviously river city ransom you know any river city game is doing really well this i mean look at river city girls from way forward it's amazing so being able to go back to the you know the origins and making people barf out coins you know it's it's great best thing of all really is the fact that like 11 of these 18 games they weren't previously like outside of japan at all and like so like we're actually going to get like english localization uh for like 11 of these games like from the kunio kun series and like this is like something that i've been hoping for or wanting to see for like a long long while so this is actually kind of like a dream come true for me it really is i mean i, I love when when companies take a chance like this it's sort of like what uh nas america is doing with the cqo um shooting stars series like some of those games had never been gotten a home release bill for in our market and with those releases now we're able to enjoy them which is really cool so it, it's great when developers take a chance like this absolutely yeah uh so just to give like a list here of the games real quick uh, there's double dragon double dragon 2 the revenge double dragon 3 the sacred stones renegade which is basically the game before river city ransom uh super dodgeball river city ransom crash in the boys street challenge Niketsu renegade kunio kun Niketsu's high school dodgeball club downtown Niketsu story Niketsu uh, high school dodgeball club soccer story uh, downtown Niketsu March Super Awesome Field Day. <laughs> uh, downtown Special Kunio Kun's Historical Period Drama. Gogo Niketsu Hockey Club Slip and Slide Madness. Surprise! Wow. Niketsu New Records, uh, the Distant Gold Medal. Niketsu Fighting Legend. Kunio Kun's Niketsu Soccer League. And Niketsu Street Basketball All Out Dunk Heroes. So a lot of sports titles Ooh, in well there. Well done, David. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it, so you know a lot of sports titles for sure uh, you, you know which, which is awesome because like a lot of those games you know again they, they you know they were never they've never seen like the light of day over here in the states and uh, it's just really cool that they're going to be localized here so yeah. yeah I'm looking forward to it and it's later this month too so hopefully you know we'll, we'll get it in time to like take it on the flight well I'll take it on the flight you're yeah already yeah <laughs> for sure for sure and uh, the last story that we want to get on here is uh, from an interview here by no techie uh, no techie.com and they had an interview here with the techno music artist here, Remute. Uh, so Remute uh, is very interesting because he's come out with uh, with like one of his music albums, Technoptimistic, uh, on a Sega Genesis cartridge back in March of 2019. And uh, now he's coming out with a, you know with like a new album that's going to be on an SNES cartridge. Um, and I'm really, really curious on like how he's going about doing this basically. So I was so curious actually to like the point like where I reached out to him and we are actually going to have an Rcast mini with him next week. So uh, I'm like really excited for that. Maybe he'll do music on a speaking spell. I mean, it sounds like he can. <laughs> That's he, the next I thing. Because yeah, because yeah, he said he's seen a full album that was committed to floppy disk, and he's seen like all different sorts of different formats. I mean, if he is able to, to make music on a Super Nintendo cartridge, that that would be quite a listen. I mean, it, it's a creative process. I mean, we know both the Genesis and Super Nintendo are capable of good music, but making techno beats. I mean, unless you're like Yuzo Koshiro and Streets of Rage, it, it could be a complicated process. So uh, I'm interested to see what his approach is and uh, really what he's got in store. Maybe he'll have a sample for us. Maybe. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I plan to definitely get like some samples of his music for that um, for that Arcast Mini, which we will have out for you guys next week. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. But I'm I'm really excited, to, like, you know, to hear more of his music and just kind of like I guess like see more artists kind of like take this unique approach, really, in order to use like kind of old technology, you know, in, in this case like with like the retro cartridges, uh, in order to like ha- you know in order to like release their music. So I'm like really excited for that. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. Welcome. And with that, we have What Do You Play? What gets in the games you've all been playing or have recently beat. So, Robert, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Um, I've been playing quite a few games. I've still been digging into Oddworld Stranger's Wrath uh, on Nintendo Switch, as well as Journey to the Savage Planet, which is this really great, colorful shooter from uh, one of the creators of uh, Halo. And yeah. It's a really well done game. I'm, I'm falling in love with it. And uh, I've been working on a couple other games. Uh, the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics came out this week. Mm. And uh, it's from NMAS Entertainment and uh, Bonus XP. Um, there are some things I was a little bothered by. It doesn't have full voice acting, and there's only the story mode. There's not a place you can get like into a quick battle with the Skeksis or anything like that. But you know, the campaign mode has a lot to offer. There are various heroes that you can choose from. Uh, there's ways that you can level up, and it's very thematic and follows story events from the Netflix series of the same name. So it does have some stuff going for it, and it is good fun. Um, it looks like a gorgeous just- game too, honestly. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm really enjoying how it looks. Like I said, there are some things that are missing, but I mean, overall, I was I was quite pleased with it. You know, it's it's been the first time that we've seen a Dark Crystal game since the '80s when um, the original Dark Crystal was made for like the Apple II. I mean, it's hmm. been that long since we've seen it. Um, yeah, but I'm, I really enjoy it. If you like tactics games or Dark Crystal, this is definitely for you. Another game I've been playing is this game from Toge Productions. It's called Coffee Talk. Mm. And what it is, it, it's sort of a narrative game where you where you serve creatures of the night. Well, not like you know, like you know, like an alligator is going to walk into your bar, but like <laughs> there's a succubus, there's a vampire lady, there's a demon lady. I mean, there's a bunch of different folks, like a werewolf serve. and all that. Yeah, yeah. So you make them drinks. You actually mix drinks depending what their mood is, and the conversation changes depending what you serve them. So you can be a real dick and see how much angry they become with their little problems, or you can just be cool about it and get heart to heart and actually learn more about it. I mean, there's not like an incredible amount of depth in terms of like what you can do to drive the conversation aside from your drinks. But this is a really well-written game and beautiful animation, uh, very well done jazzy sort of music. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's definitely a game that, that might just take you by surprise. It's just a communication simulation, but it's imaginative and it's really well written. So I'm enjoying that. And then the final game, I can't talk about it yet because it's not coming out for about another month, but they are bringing one finger Death Punch 2 to Nintendo Switch with a few extra changes, and I can't wait to talk more about it from Silver Dollar Games. And stick around because I'm going to give away a Steam code for that very soon. So what have you been playing there, David? So like you, I've been playing Coffee Talk. I actually beat Coffee Talk because it's not um, it's not like a long game by any means. Um, and we talked about this like last episode as well, but it, it is essentially very much like Valhalla, but instead of like in a cyberpunk bar, you're in a, uh, you know, you're in like a coffee shop basically with like all these like fantastical creatures like there, you know, and like they're, you know, like, like the way that the characters are done. I mean, you know, as we mentioned, like there's like a succubus, there's like an elf, there's, you know, like you know, a werewolf vampire, like all these other characters basically. Um, but like they're written in a way like where they're meant to be kind of like real life people or they have like their own personalities that you can like attribute to people who you know in your real life basically um so it's really well done in that regard i still prefer valhalla overall like i think valhalla is still a better game generally or like it pulls off that formula better i should say um but coffee talk is definitely worth playing especially if you you know if you like valhalla and you're kind of like you know you're, you're you're like aching for something until like the sequel comes out basically uh, which I believe is called Nirvana. I believe is like the next game, uh, you know, after Valhalla. But, um, but yeah, like it, you know, it's, it's definitely like a really cool game. So definitely want to check out. Uh, albeit more on the shorter side. Uh, and the other game I've been playing right now actually is a uh, Shovel Knight, uh, the King of Cards. I believe it's like the King Knight DLC. Uh, so I've been meaning to get around to this at some point, and you know now I am. Um, and it's really interesting because uh, you play as King Knight, basically from the Shovel Knight game, um, and you go around like in levels, just like how you normally do, like from like the previous DLC and the main campaign and whatnot. But there's also the added caveat of like this uh, this like card game like attached to it as well. And I'm not generally a big card game guy myself, like I'm not into like Hearthstone or Gwent or anything like that. 
Um, but I'm actually really, really enjoying like the King of Cards, like, you know, like the actual like card game that's in the game itself. And it's, it's actually like a lot of fun. So um, I'm definitely digging it. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, like, it's kind of simple enough to like learn and, you know, and get used to, but there's definitely a lot of strategy attached to it as well. And like the, the computer can definitely be like really cheap and like, you know, just kind of keep you cornered. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. if, if, you know, if, if you're not careful anyway, you, you have to really kind of think strategically when you get to the harder levels. But like, it's, it's really good. It's you a lot of fun. not being a card player, when do you not talk about pocket card jockey? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, pocket card jockey is just like solitaire, basically, both like the horse racing aesthetic. So, right, but still um, cards. Still, cards. It, it's it's still cards. Yeah, I guess like card games in the same vein as like Hearthstone, basically, where they have like their own specific rules attached to them and all that stuff. And like you know, otherwise, if you're talking about like old school card games, like I'm all about those. But yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a, of a different bag. <laughs> and uh, if you want a game here that you can really sink your teeth into as well, uh, there is a game here called Black Paradox for Switch. So Black Paradox. Paradox is a fast-paced roguelike shoot-em-up. Unleash an arsenal of weapons, power-ups, drones, and other upgrades to survive waves of enemies against a backdrop of vibrant pixel art and synthwave soundtracks. So if that sounds like a jam, then definitely jump on this. Uh, again, this is for Switch. The Switch code is C030H82GLR675W0X. Again, that's Black Paradox on Switch. Enjoy, and if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at Arc Podcast on Twitter. Welcome back to the Stage of History. And with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, the pantheons of history. So since we are going to talk about the Call of Duty franchise here, I figure I'll mention uh, probably like the most popular title, let's say, in the franchise, which is Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Uh, So this is a 2007 first-person shooter by Infinity Ward. It sold 7 million copies in two months after release. To enhance the realistic feel of the game, the development team attended a live-fire exercise at a United States Marine Corps base, and a remastered version was released with special editions of Call of Duty Infinite Warfare in 2016. So, uh, I remember um, not really being a big Call of Duty guy, like, at all, really. I'm still not, honestly. Um, But I remember, like, before Call of Duty 4 came out, like, it was just kind of like one of those, like, franchises that I just didn't pay much attention to, but when that first trailer dropped, Robert, for Modern Warfare, like, for the first Modern Warfare, I was just like, okay, like, I have to really, like, pay attention to this, because they're they're doing some pretty cool stuff, aside from, like, the World War II stuff that they were doing all the time before. Yeah, this was definitely a, a jarring move forward in the series. And I think the real thing that surprised me is that when we when it actually released and it actually went in depth with its story, it was really well done. Like I remember this one scene from Modern Warfare in which a nuclear explosion goes off. Yeah. And and you like the last thing you, you see from the scene is your soldier just crawling out of this helicopter and then he dies from his wounds. And it's kind of one of the most shocking moments I've ever seen in a video game, really. And it all ties together with the visceral action that the game is known for. It takes place in a number of locations. It was just really the peak of the series. It, it, it came at a time when we really needed a change in the series. Now, you know, it's it's a little surprising, like, how much it caught us up by off guard. Because, you know, we were so used to, like, oh, Call of Duty 2 is great, and Call of Duty 3 is great. Oh, what the hell is this? You know, and it just... Yeah. <laughs> it's well, like Modern Warfare kind of, like, started that trend, really, for the, for the series, like, to set up, like, these, like, set pieces. Like, these, like, you know, really, like, traumatic set pieces, uh, you know, as you mentioned, with, like, the nuclear bomb going off. Um, you know, because like there was like also Modern Warfare Two, I believe, which is like the No Russia mission. You know, and that was also like yeah. a shocking scene, basically. Well, that um, was two, I thought, right? Yeah, yeah, it was two. Yeah, so like in Modern Warfare Two, like they had that, so it kind of started that trend really for uh, for like the franchise going forward with that, right? Um, you know, and I feel like you know maybe it was it was because you know making the switch into you know more you know more more like modern day warfare uh, as opposed to like the World War Two stuff like you know that that obviously caught like a lot of people's attention because that you know that wasn't really a thing back then like you know otherwise like a lot of like realistic shooters basically were focused more on like World War Two for whatever reason it was just World War Two all the time basically um, but then all of a sudden you have like you know like you know with like modern warfare it's like present day. Um, you know, have like a nuclear bomb going off, like there's like political, like, you know, intrigue and like all this kind of crazy stuff going on, basically with all, you know, all these like, uh, all these like real life countries and all that stuff. It was, it was just like really unlike anything else that you've ever seen in any other game before that. Yeah, I think it was really cool. And then another thing to consider is like how much the multiplayer evolved. Cause this was kind of the beginning step of what Infinity Ward could do with the multiplayer in the game. I mean, obviously it's grown a lot since then, you know, we've gotten a bunch of perks, different modes, you know, um, um, collecting tags, all sorts of little things there. But it started with Modern Warfare, and it was really popular. You know, like the multiplayer shot like 
like a rocket into the sky. And, and it was just so popular that, you know, for future games, like Activision gave it as much focus as the single player. And in fact, at one point with Black Ops 4, it was just multiplayer and Battle yeah. Royale and everything. And it was a pain in the ass. But it, well, was- it became like the big reason why people picked up like a new Call of Duty every year because like they just wanted like the latest, greatest multiplayer basically from like, the franchise. Yeah, I think with Modern Warfare, last year's Modern Warfare, it got back on track. And I think hopefully from here, they'll understand that single player is as important as multiplayer. But it is kind of cool how like Modern Warfare didn't just jet the series into the modern day it also brought it uh, with multiplayer and i think that's just been a draw with it for years and that's gonna lead us now to obscura for Obscura, we're going to go from the best of the series to the worst. Uh, <laughs> so for the worst of the series, we're going to look at uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified. Uh, this is a game that came out in 2012 for the PlayStation Vita. When this game came out, well, before this game came out, people were excited because, you know, for the longest time, there wasn't really much on the portable front. So when they announced one for PlayStation Vita, people got excited. And then it came out, and it wasn't really what players were hoping for. It was slammed with negative reviews, mainly due to, like, terrible enemy AI of glitches that popped up throughout uh, single players that were broken down into segments. It wasn't even like a campaign. It was just like these tiny missions broken apart from each other. And the multiplayer was just bad. Like it was just, I don't know what it is. You could do like four by four, or four versus four matches through Wi-Fi, but the way everything was set up, it took forever to start a match. And then when you did start a match, it would quit like about two minutes in. So I think a few people got through some successful matches, but it was nowhere near the caliber of what you could do with multiplayer in in the console version. I mean, I guess being like on a, on a handheld console as well, you can only expect so much from a first person shooter multiplayer environment, you know? Yeah, I know. But then you take a look at what had been done in the past, like just a few years back with Call of Duty Roads to Victory on PlayStation Portable. Um, it didn't, you know, it wasn't the highest rated version out there, but it was way higher than what happened with Black Ops Declassified. So you'd think that Activision would follow that roadmap when it came to like bringing the series PlayStation Vita and doing something that would be similarly structured to how the console versions work. But instead, they, they made it seem like a launch pad for their mobile platforms. It, it just, it didn't work. And unfortunately, as a result, that was like one of the few games that did not sell well in the series. Like you, you take a look and like, Every other game, like millions of copies sold, millions of copies sold. I don't even think Black Ops Declassified got a blip on the radar. And I think that was the last like Activision did with the Vita. So mm. it, it was kind of an unfortunate mistake, but they learned from it. And now you have like Call of Duty Mobile, which is packed with features and good gameplay and millions of players. You know, So if anything, it, it kind of served as a list of what not to do with a portable Call of Duty game. So Yeah. <laughs> For sure, for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, I never personally played this myself, even though I have a Vita, um, you know, again, just because I'm not really like that big of a Call of Duty fan, like in general. Um, but uh, yeah, th- th- this is like one I remember it just got slammed and panned like all over the place, basically, like yeah. once, once it, it like released. And I was actually kind of surprised, honestly, uh, with how bad of, a, you know, of like reviews it was getting really just because, you know, again, it was, you know, it's a Call of Duty game. Uh, they generally do hold like a certain standard in terms of like their, uh, you know, their like, like the, the quality of the games themselves before they release them. Um, but yeah, just like, you know, I, I guess it's, it's because of the fact that they were coming out with so many Call of Duty games, you know, again, after, I feel like after Modern Warfare really reinvigorated the franchise, and so now all of a sudden you're seeing, like, Modern Warfare this, Modern Warfare that, or, like, with Black Ops, Black Ops this, Black Ops that, and, like, it's just kind of, like, all over the place now. Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of, like, you know, they were getting a little too big for their britches, they knew how popular their Call of Duty games were, and they were like, oh, well, everything will sell, and then they just... They cut this one short while they focused more on Black Ops 2, which came out the same year for like Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 and PC. So mm. I think it's just it's a lesson like that I'd like to think that they learned. Like they, they develop games separately now. Like Call of Duty Mobile is completely separate from the games that they're developing on consoles. It's a different team entirely, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it works way better. What's up, everybody? My name's Garrett Morlang. Hey, everybody. I'm JJ Prudham. And we are the Super Gamer Boys. And we are the preeminent video game podcast in the entire world. We're trying to take over the world with all of our comedy, with news and whatnot. And we are so excited to be members of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. 
Yes, we bring you uh, all the news you want to know every week. We bring you movie reviews, game reviews, uh, and all the goofs you want to hear. So come check us out every Wednesday on your favorite podcast service. And that's going to lead us now into our main topic, which is celebrating the Call of Duty franchise. So uh, I figure we'll get into first, like, its World War II beginnings, uh, you know, up until, like, the, the Modern Warfare Rebirth, which we touch upon, uh, and also going into, like, Black Ops, going into the future as well at one point with Kevin Spacey. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, Robert, what were, like, I guess, like, your, um, your like, first instances, I guess, of, like, playing Call of Duty? Because, like, I, because I know for me, I think... My first time playing Call of Duty was Call of Duty 2, I want to say, back in college. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. I, I think with Call of Duty 2, because the original Call of Duty only came out for PC, mm-hmm. um, I believe, at the time. And then they launched like the console version shortly thereafter. And that was just, like I believe, uh, PlayStation 2? Yeah, I mean, it was, I think so, it was yeah. a while ago. So, yeah, I mean, since then, I think Call of Duty 2 is the one I picked up on. I remember getting it for Xbox 360, and it was beautiful. You know, it was a great looking game. Uh, one of the really good first early titles for Xbox 360. It was Infinity Ward at its best. And it really set the tone for what the series had to offer. Uh, I really enjoyed Call of Duty 2. It's still a great game. You can still play it on um, Xbox One since it's backward compatible, which is really nice. That's nice, and, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd like, to say, I'd like to think I'd started there. But obviously before that, we probably played Medal of Honor and the PlayStation. And that got us into, like, World War II shooting. Even when... You know, we were playing as a Velociraptor once we put in the Spielberg code. <laughs> I forgot that. about that, yeah. <laughs> Old school. Yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah, because like the Call of Duty franchise, I mean, you know, it, it, like it's, it's, it wasn't, it, like it didn't start off like nearly being as big as, you know, as how it is now for sure. Um, you know, again, I feel like that came from like Modern Warfare, but with like Call of Duty uh, 1, um, you know, like I said, that came out in 2003. Um, you know, like it, like it basically, it basically kind of like focused on like you know you like fighting against like the Nazi forces, whatever in World War Two, and uh, it did seem like a lot of like military shooters were kind of like coming out like around that time, trying to do again like the whole World War Two thing or trying to put their own spin on the whole World War Two thing. Um, but I think like by the time that Call of Duty Three came out. Um, I think people were just kind of like sick and tired of like that like motif basically, and I remember being like sick and tired just seeing it. I wasn't even playing the games; I was just sick and tired just seeing all the World War Two shooters. You know. Well, here's the thing: they, they, by Call of Duty Three, they brought in Treyarch to try their hand at the development, and the Xbox 360 version was actually pretty well received. I mean, they had a different approach than what Infinity War did with Call of Duty Two, so it, it's kind of began that cycle of each team alternately making a Call of Duty game each year. Because World War II can be a good setting depending on the game. Like, I really enjoyed Call of Duty World at War. And part of that reason was because of how well the story was, but there was another reason, too. That was when they started bringing in celebrity talent. Uh, They brought in Kiefer Sutherland and Gary Oldman, uh, of Mm. all people, from The Professional and The Fifth Element, uh, as, as like, the toughest Russian soldier you'll you'll ever meet. He was great. (laughs) So, I mean... By that point, you know, Call of Duty was turning a corner and we started seeing what the development engine could do. And they started bringing in like AAA talent. Like I I remember like one year they went nuts with like Black Ops 2. You know, they had Sam Worthington come in and play the soldier and everything. But for the commercial, they brought in like everybody. They brought in Jack Black. They brought in Robert Downey Jr. They brought in everybody in the commercial. And by that point, it was just nuts <laughs> I yeah. just, that's how much it evolved over the years but i like to think it started out slow and everything and then all of a sudden by the time modern warfare showed up as we talked about previously it really started to take off with people with players i mean not only enjoying the single player campaign but obviously the multiplayer getting better at it eventually you know kind of paving the way for what esports are nowadays so i mean it was just amazing like over the past few years how big it had come and then things started to get a little tricky because after Black Ops 2, it was to the point that's like, okay, what kind of story are we going to tell now? And that's where we started to get games that didn't quite fit for everybody. We had like Call of Duty Ghosts, which was okay, but not nearly as good as like the Modern Warfare games. Once, the, once Modern Warfare 3 kind of wrapped to a close and, and finished that story. I mean, do you feel like Ghosts came out because it was trying to capitalize, I guess, on the popularity of, uh, I think it was like a ghost character, right? Like like a character named Ghost? Yeah. yeah. Well, no. I mean, that, I mean, he was, hey, not to spoil here, but in case you haven't played Modern Warfare 2, he died 
back in Modern Warfare 2 at the hands <laughs> of that treacherous bastard. But um, no, he's actually coming back. They're bringing him back for the new Modern Warfare as part of an update in a few weeks. So it's funny how you bring it up. But no, Call of Duty Ghosts was completely separate. There was a group called the Ghosts. Right. But, okay. And I think he might have been part of that, but I think that was the only tie-in because he he wasn't actually featured in Ghosts. He was probably just part of the faction was involved with Ghosts, if I recall correctly. That makes Call sense. of Duty Ghosts kind of threw me off because it was more of a family story. You know, it had like Logan Walker, it has Father Elias, he had like his brother was involved. It's like and, Fast and Furious, of the Call of Duty franchise. <laughs> it, it, it just something threw me off about it. But then again. This wouldn't be the only game that threw a lot of people off. There was also Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. When that game came out, also from Infinity Ward, by the way, in 2016, it had a futuristic setting, and everybody's like, oh, okay, it's going fucking Halo. You know, yeah. and... Call of Duty in space. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and people were just thrown off by it. It's a great game, and, you know, it even has um, Kit Harrington in it from uh, Game of Thrones as the main bad guy. And the storytelling was good, but I mean, like a lot of people were like, why the hell is this Halo? Why did, you know, you asked for this, guys. You said, hey, can we get a change in Call of Duty? Wait, why are we in the future? This isn't the change I want. But I mean, everything came together with Call of Duty Infinite Warfare because not only was the single player great, but they made a multiplayer its own entity with special soldiers with special abilities. So it stood out in its own right. And then the zombies thing took place in the 80s and had David Hasselhoff as a DJ. (laughs) <laughs> which was hilarious. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, it, it was just a lot of fun. But I mean, like I said, with, with some of these games, you can't please everybody, it seems. And, you know, one game we look back on re- reflection, let's bring this back up, um, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Um, and the main thing that throw a lot of people off is it has Kevin Spacey. And as you guys know, back then he was, you know, a great actor and everything. But then obviously it came the sexual assault stories. And now we look at it and like, it's a little hard to look back on that now yeah (laughs) yeah so i mean like there are certain games that just don't fit with some people but we have seen evolution over the years and another thing i like to think about is how a third developer came into play and really did well on their part as well and that's sledgehammer games uh consisting of former dead space developers from biscroll they took the franchise and they did really well they helped out a modern warfare 3 before taking advanced warfare for themselves and then moving on in 2017 to Call of Duty World War II, which brought the series back full circle. Mm. So uh, so before we actually move on with that, uh, to get back to Advanced Warfare, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's um, do it. Let's do it. Go ahead. Just, just like a quick little blurb I had to mention here. Uh, the game gained renewed attention in January 2018. This is from the Wikipedia article, by the way. Uh, when United States President Donald Trump uh, remarked on the delivery of the first F-52s to Norway, in a press conference with Norwegian Prime Minister Erna Solberg, the plane only exists within the game. So he clearly uh, heard that from someone who put it down, who is clearly a Call of Duty fan, I guess. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> clearly clearly he was pressing X to pay respects. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of nuts. Um, that was another thing that stemmed from Advanced Warfare, the, pay, the press X to pay respects thing. That was a popular meme for a while there. And it was just... It was just like, look, it's just a thing that sets the tone for the for the story. But okay, press X to. I mean, it, it was like with heavy rain and press X to Jason or whatever. Right, <laughs> exactly. Jason, Jason, Jason. Yeah, I, and, and I don't know. I, I I think there were certain moments that stemmed from the Call of Duty games that stuck with players. It, it you know, reflecting back to the No Russian stage in Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, which was you know optional, which was I thought was really cool because some people can't stomach that scene. It is a terrifying scene with yeah. you know a massacre in an airport leading to the death of a u.s agent leading to the start of a world war so you know i mean that that really took me back honestly because i remember the very first time playing that mission i had to really kind of like take it slow i guess and you know just because i like i feel like anyone who plays through it for whatever reason like no matter what your reasoning may be you're always going to play that particular mission slow because you're kind of soaking in everything you're you feel unsettled with what's going on so i think even part of it too you're just like hesitant just to move things forward because you're afraid of what's going to happen next you know yeah it's sort of like with a moment with modern warfare 3 that there was this um one scene that really bothered me and it was it was a scene where this family was in london i believe it was and somebody was like pulling a van up there and then they ran out of the van and the family doesn't think anything of it and then all of a sudden there's a big gas explosion and Mm. everybody collapses dead 
Right. I mean, something like that really hurt me because, like, you're hurting a kid there. I mean, I didn't remember seeing any kids in the airport or anything, but still, I mean, these moments that they know how to jar you and, and show you, like, how harrowing things can be when somebody tries to take something into their own hands. I mean, uh, do you feel like scenes like that? Because obviously, we like touched upon like how like it seemed that the, that this kind of became like a theme really for the Call of Duty games going forward, where they had to have that like one shocking scene basically that gets everyone talking. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that? you know, that uh, helps or hinders the franchise for the most part as far as getting people to talk about it, but maybe you feel like it might be going too far. I was kind of curious in your take with that. When it naturally fits into the story, it's great. When you're going for that gotcha moment, then it's not. Like with the Modern Warfare games, those moments, the nuclear explosion, the no Russian scene, uh, the family dying in Modern Warfare 3, those were moments that I think integrated in the storyline just to remind you how harrowing things were and how much these enemies pissed you off. But it's when these games go for gotcha moments just for the sake of going for gotcha moments. You know, I, I don't really have any examples off the top of my head, but you know what I mean. When it, when it fits into organically the story and pissing you off enough that, oh, I'm going to finish this guy. You know, this guy's had it. Zaki has right. get his. You feel like it kind of fits into like the narrative like better and like actually yeah. like gets you, um, I guess, like riled up really with, you know, with what's going on like in like, you know, the setting, the world, the characters, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess like what I'm getting at, though, is uh, do you feel like that uh, the Call of Duty franchise franchise does it well for the most part for the most part i mean there are moments in which things can get thrown off and i think one of the things that bother me about call of duty ghosts is how it ended um usually with these games you get some sort of resolve or at the very least some sense of hope that you did the right thing but the way the story is told it was a shock sure but people feel bummed out it's like that's it that's what i paid 60 dollars for i think with something like that you there's definitely something where you can have a downside to it but you also have the upside you have to have the balance that reminds you that you went through all this effort and this is your reward now you can have a nice little shock ending at the end i mean obviously like you know dead space didn't exactly end well for isaac but right yeah (laughs) but by the same token you want something that shows the journey was worthwhile not everything that makes you feel gutted and empty and like why the hell did i play this I mean, that's one thing, like, with the Call of Duty franchise, um, you know, like, especially going from Modern Warfare onwards, um, you know, because, like, a lot of people will focus on on the multiplayer for the games, and that's certainly, like, you know, the most popular, I guess, aspect of, of these games. Right. Uh, but, you know, the actual, like, campaign modes of these games also are done really, really well. We kind of, like, touched upon that as well, as far as, like, just, like, the writing and, like, the way scenes are written and, like, just, like, you know, how characters are developed and all that stuff. Like, with Soap McTavish, I believe is his name, um, that guy is, like, a goddamn hero, like, in every, in every right frame, which, as far like a video game character is concerned yeah. um yeah and like a lot of people like root for him they want to see more of him and all that stuff so he, he, you know that character in particular i know has become like a real staple not only in the call of duty franchise but just like in the gaming like sphere really uh you know like overall so um you know they like these games are done really well just like from a single player standpoint so that is like more of your bag as opposed to like going online and you know getting shot in the head over and over um then uh you know i feel like that they're worthwhile in that in that respect too yeah and sometimes those emotional moments, they, they can really make you feel driven when you finally, at the very last minute, you, you take care of business. And I think Modern Warfare 2 had probably the most shocking moment of all, and that was the turn of Shepard when he killed Roach. When he killed Shepard. Uh, yeah, friggin' <laughs> Shepard. You bitched him out when he shot those soldiers and turned on everybody. He was like, mother, I'm going to kick your ass. And, you know, that's one of the final moments in the game. You actually get to take him out with a wonderfully placed knife throw to his skull. So <laughs> Did Rex show up too? Yeah. <laughs> Right. But I mean, it's just a matter of you feel driven. And I think the best kind of Call of Duty game is a game that drives you. I mean, if it's with shock, if it's with anger, if it's with a feeling of victory, you know, even if it's like with a plot twist that you don't see coming, like with the Black Ops games, there's just these interesting twists that that do a lot with the character. And Black Ops 2 had a great scene where you actually played as the villain for one stage, Raul Menendez, because you actually see what drives him to hate the U.S. so much. It's a mission in which he's trying to save his sibling, and you know he's running around the stage, Josefina, you know, over and over again because he's just trying to save her. And when you don't, you actually get inside his head and you see what's so pissed up. But by the same token, then you see him perform his acts and you go back after him anyway. See that so, that's 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 what well, what I was mentioning before about like having like really good storytelling, really good campaigns, really in these games. Because like if if you can have like moments like that where it can actually pity the villain, 
you know, and really yeah. kind of get to know like why the villain is doing what he's doing. And you, you can actually understand his motives, like for doing like, you know, whatever awful things he's doing and whatever story that you're talking about. Um, then uh, you really have something there. And like, that's, that's definitely a really good example of that. I feel. Yeah. And then one other thing with black ops two, I want to bring up are the different endings. Cause I think it's one of the few call of duty games that actually had different ways it could end. Like you could kill Menendez and start a riot with his followers. You could capture Menendez and throw him in a jail cell while you're one of your surviving characters makes fun of him on Jimmy Kimmel live. Jimmy Kimmel was actually in call of duty. <laughs> are you kidding and me? <laughs> I, I think the best one, the best one is when Menendez kind of escapes jail and he, he kills like um, Woods, the guy who would, like he had battled with before. He kills him. Then he goes to his sister's grave and he sets himself on fire. Like that's symbolic. Like he can't live with all this suffering anymore. And he vengeanced his sister. Now he wants to join her. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that, that really gets into the psyche. I mean, we haven't really seen too many multiple ending games with Call of Duty that I was kind of hoping that we'd see. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this one just really went went in depth, depending depending on what you did in the game to get the ending that you deserve. I mean, everybody likes a happy ending, but it's also interesting to see a symbolic one, like the bad guy survives but he doesn't want to live, or the bad guy survives and, and he you know he's mad in a jail cell. I mean, it's the twists that were involved there. I think Black Ops Two really stood out in that mm. regard. Yeah. Now, um, we like mentioned like, you know, before about like how uh, with the original Call of Duty, like there was, uh, you know, that came out in 2003 mm-hmm. and then Call of Duty 2 came out in 2005. After that, there has been a new Call of Duty game for every year up until 2019. And I believe there is one coming out in 2020. Like, yeah, I imagine. Um, yeah. during during a, fi- a financial call today, Activision did confirm it. However, they did not confirm the developer, which has me wondering if they're going to bring back Treyarch to do it or if it's going to be Sledgehammer. Usually, it's probably going to be a three-year development cycle. Like, Sledgehammer does one, Treyarch does one, Infinity Ward does one. Right, um, right. This was supposed to be Sledgehammer's year, but I heard they were having trouble with it, so they might have Treyarch do it and just go Black Ops 5 and make this the Black Ops sequel that Black Ops 4 was supposed to be. I mean, but how yeah. many game franchises have so many different development teams like attached to it? Like, it's just ridiculous. Now, I like to think Assassin's Creed does because you know they had their they have their their main developers, but they also have people like developing side chapters, like Assassin's Creed Chronicles, Assassin's yeah. Creed Rogue. It's but, like a Studio I mean, B that they have to like their Studio A in that case. But yeah. like, I think that's just like two in that case, and that, that you know that's that's also like a huge franchise. You know, like obviously, yeah. um, But with like Call of Duty, I mean, like it is so huge. You literally have three different studios that work on just the mainline series then obviously there's like the mobile games and all that stuff that we mentioned earlier and it's not just the three studios i mean like activision pretty much has like for years we had like you know um high moon studios work on the transformers games now they're working on multiplayer on one of the call of duty games um raven software they worked on x-men origins wolverine now they're working on call of duty games um beanox they worked on spider-man games for years now they're working on call of duty games i mean like you know activision is so focused on their cash cow they kind of like for a while there, shut out everything else, you know, aside from Call of Duty and Destiny and, and yeah. the occasional spinoff like Call, like uh, Crash Bandicoot or Spyro or Crash Team Racing, you know. And now, I mean, Call of Duty is so big, they, they can't afford to take a year off, which is kind of sad because I can't imagine the crunch Treyarch must be feeling if they are taking over Call of Duty 2020, which it sounds like they are. But, I mean, by the same token, the game sells every year. Like Modern Warfare, last year's game, made like – 600 million in its first launch months i mean first launch area period alone it's already cleared over a billion dollars and it's just these games are just it's part of you know activision's way and now that they don't yeah. have destiny to worry about call of duty is their big focus aside from whatever they're doing in the blizzard side of things obviously. i mean is it fair to say that call of duty is the biggest gaming franchise there is like even bigger than madden or grand theft auto or any of that not Grand Theft Auto. I mean, Grand Theft Auto Five sold over 115 million copies. There's no way Call of Duty is going to reach that. But, but considering like how often that there's a new Call of Duty game too, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like where we're getting at. Because obviously, with Grand Theft Auto, that sells like gangbusters every time it's released. But there's a new game for that every like five years or whatever. You know? Yeah, I'm, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I'm just saying, in terms of popularity, Grand Theft Auto is still way up there. We have like millions of online players but call of duty is equally popular you take a look at how a multiplayer game by itself like black ops 4 sold millions of copies and brought the battle royale fold into call of duty and you know the developers do a great job with them in terms of keeping audiences engaged lately especially with between black ops 4 and modern warfare they've done a great job with balancing that out um the real question is are we going to get to a point where we feel the satur- oversaturation again 
like we did with Ghosts. Because, I mean, these games are highly popular. They're bestsellers and everything. But I can't help but think, well, people like, well, Call of Duty is just Call of Duty. You know, it's right. getting worn out. Here's Overwatch. Here's whatever else to play as an alternative instead. So the question is, like, at what point is, Call, or is Activision going to take a look and be like, what can we do differently but also do successfully? I mean, you take a look at, like, Infinite Warfare – it was popular, but there were criticisms, so they had to bring it back to modern warfare. So, I mean, like, what's next? A reboot of Black Ops? Do you go back to World War II again, like Sledgehammer did? I mean, I could see, like, a reboot of Black Ops for sure, because they did Call of Duty World War II. Yeah. Um, which I believe is meant to be sort of like a reboot, basically, of the original games in a way. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, there's, a you know, there's, like, the reboot of Modern Warfare, which kind of gets into, like, the first three games, I believe, of the Modern Warfare subseries. Right. Um, so, since we have Black Ops 4, I mean, yeah, certainly, like, you know, Black Ops Trilogy or Black Ops, I don't know, it's just like a Black Ops, like, remaster, redone, whatever of that whole mm-hmm. story, whatever it may be. Um, I can certainly see that. But one thing I would really, really love to see, and I've been wanting to see this for a long, long while, because, again, like, I'm not, like, a big Call of Duty guy, but one mode that I've always enjoyed was a Zombies mode. Uh, so when are we going to see a A Call of Duty Zombies game, like, just Zombies? We won't. It's going to be a, a side mode in any of these games because they, they did try to do like, you know, the mobile release of Call of Duty Zombies a while back. And that was popular for a while. But people want the Call of Duty experience. They want zombies with their multiplayer, with their single player. If one of those things get taken gets taken out, people get thrown off. That's kind of why some people got thrown off by Black Ops 4. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they like a complete package, you know, and technically Modern Warfare doesn't have zombies, but I'm sure it'll get it at some point. I mean, they have to. It's sort of like it'll get Battle Royale at some point. You know, they're going to throw it in there and make the package feel like a package. You know, right, not, right. You know, phrasing, whatever. But, <laughs> but um, you got to get that big package, Robert. All right. but, <laughs> uh, thank you. I already have it. But, um, <laughs> but I, I think going back to your original question here, I mean, Call of Duty is it's incredibly popular still, even with the competition out there. I mean, like they have a call of duty world. They have the league now, like the, the, the esports league that's watched by millions of players. Mm. But then again, you, you know, you, you have the devotees out there, you know, like, Oh, and we're going to play infinite warfare. Boo. <laughs> so you could tell what the high points are and the low points are. And I like to think modern warfare did a great job winning a lot of people back because it did away with that season pass thing. Like for years, Activision was notorious about charging for DLC, mm. microtransaction, cosmetics, whatever. Now I mean, you see that in Destiny cosmetics. 2 right now. I mean, like, that's that's still kind of like a big part of gaming, I guess, like in today's world. And like, I don't know, because like, yeah. I can kind of see like Overwatch 2 also doing that to kind of do away with like loot boxes. But I know with like Destiny 2, like it's, it's doing well for them in that regard. So Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the loot boxes are calmed down and Overwatch 2 will be more about single player. And Destiny 2, they didn't really have much of a choice. They went free to play with that recently. So that's how they make their money now. That makes sense, yeah. But yeah, with like so, Overwatch Two, that might also go free to play at some point, possibly. Like, I, I could definitely I see them doing that too. Well, the original might, while well, the single player stuff, they'll still charge for the original. It. Yeah, for sure, I think. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, well, well, I do, I do get what you're saying, but yeah, I mean, Call of Duty is not going to go away for a while. It's a series that's been built on strength and provided that it could still have the ideas to kind of make it feel fresh and mm. not go the direction of Ghosts or not have something missing from its package. Good with package. Um, <laughs> then, then I don't think it's going to lose its momentum. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with 2020 and beyond. I mean, if they go back to just Infinity Ward and Treyarch developing back and forth, supported by secondary studios, that might be a bit too much. They need to get another player in there. And it kind of has me wondering, like, who they could bring in. Because hmm. um, it'd be great to see another new studio. I don't know what they're going to do with Sledgehammer. Maybe it'll be a support studio. Maybe they'll do something else. But uh, I think in the matter of Call of Duty, I, they need to plan it carefully. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Activision did the Assassin's Creed thing. Like Assassin's Creed did the smartest thing in the world, pacing out um, Odyssey. Like, they did not release a new game last year. Doing one title per two years, basically. Yeah, and then supporting it. I mean, look at the long term when you support a game with content. I mean, like, even in the last few months, Modern Warfare has gotten season content and downloadable content that could have easily been stretched out over, like, a two-year span. Obviously, Activision won't do that right away, but mm-hmm. it is something to think about should the series start to get along in the tooth or if they go to the future again or, you know, <laughs> if things get tired, if they go back to World to War space. II. Yeah. Or maybe even <laughs> World War One. you know, like the movie 1917 has me wondering what would a world war one call of duty game be like hmm. well battlefield did that too right yeah yeah battlefield totally did that but i'm just saying seeing activision try it with the call of duty engine would be pretty something i think 
Um, so, I mean, there, there's ideas there that could still be bounced around, but eventually it's going to get to a point where Activision is going to take a look and is this still a yearly franchise? Is this something we still interject with ideas? Who do we bring in to keep things fresh? You know, eventually they're going to reach that point. But right now, I mean, the series is doing incredibly well. League's doing very well. Modern Warfare is selling great. They're going to announce the new one probably in May or June before E3. So, I mean, it's not going to go away anytime soon. It's still one of the best franchises out there. It's just a matter of keeping that momentum going and keeping the content that players want without charging them an arm hmm. lake. Well, I'll still keep my fingers crossed for like a Call of Duty Zombies AAA game at some point. On the line. It, it would be, it, I think it would be cool if they did something like, um, I still think the best Zombies one was... Um, Something like it was a, a film of the dead thing, and it was inspired by George A. Romero. He was actually oh, yeah. a zombie yep. in the game, and they brought in like I think Sarah Michelle Geller, Danny Trejo, and Michael Rooker in them, and they just made it this great little moody, atmospheric, cheesy ass eighties um, <laughs> style horror movie. That was That's how you gotta do it, yeah. <laughs> if they do a game like that, I'm I'm in. You know, if they do something where they bring back John Malkovich or Bruce Campbell, uh, yeah, with a chainsaw, please. Yeah. You know, Make it happen. I would I would pay good money for that. And who knows? Maybe down the road we'll see a spinoff with it or, or something arcade style. I, mm-hmm. I would be on board. You would get me on board with that too, for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Totally. It's just something to think about there, Activision. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, we have some listener responses here as well, uh, starting off with Mega Daffy, who says, I had a lot of fun playing the Call of Duty game, specifically uh, Call of Duty 2 Big Red One, uh, back when it was a history-comes-to-life shooter and not what it is today. I thought being able to play through notable battles in World War II was so cool, and the games are super fun as well. So, uh, Robert, what do you know about the Big Red One? Um, I believe it was one of the PlayStation 2 releases. I think it was Call of Duty 2. Yeah, I think so. Um, and it was pretty good. Uh, it was really well done. I, I'm not sure why they called it. Uh, probably because they they said the war event was the Big Red One from years ago. I'm assuming it's, it, it was based on like an actual troop, I think, that was actually right. called Big Red One. Yeah, because like, yeah, that, that was cause, it. Because like, their symbol was literally like a red one, like number one. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it now. Sorry. I had to catch up on my history. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was a really, for the time, you know, the PlayStation really did get some good games there uh, in the Call of Duty series. And I think the last one they got was like World at War um, United Fronts, I think it was. I think mm. that was the final game or final fronts for PS2. And by that point, you knew, like, you know, it was time for Call of Duty to move on to another platform. But in its heyday with Call of Duty 2 and Call of Duty 3, the PlayStation 2 games were really well done, uh, especially especially with, like, you know, the graphics at the time, because they were a leap above what Medal of Honor did with PS1. So it was it was definitely I, I think it was good. It's not one of my favorites, but it was good. For sure, for sure. And uh, there's also Dave the Bass Guy who says swearing a lot at kids. <laughs> Which makes sense with the multiplayer, for sure. There's like a lot of kids Get in the Get out of the room! <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It takes a lot to make a Bass Guy swear, I'll take that. Right. Uh, then there's Christopher Hagen who says, uh, Call of Duty World at War is an epic game for PS3. Spent so long trying to beat it on a veteran and got the Platinum Trophy eventually for it. So definitely a hardcore fan there. Uh, Remigio, Melo, uh, Remigio Melo Fernandez, who says, only play Call of Duty for the zombies mode. And yeah, I'm totally with him on that. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, again, if you just make just a Call of Duty zombie game, like just give me the zombies portion of the game, I will buy that. I don't necessarily want to buy like, you know, the more realistic stuff, whatever. Just give me like a really you know, wacky, goofy, or just like a really terrifying like zombie thing, or just something that's like away from like real, real war, real life stuff, whatever. I don't really care too much about that, but yeah, I'm down with that idea. Uh, Crystal Davis, who says making a nine year old boy cry on Call of Duty when I was 13. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I remember asking her to kind of like embellish in that story and like her her story was kind of like a little bit more on the mean side. So I didn't really want to read it on here, but um, it, it, was, it was definitely a very entertaining story, to say the least. So, um, then there's Phil Evans, who says when the missus first moved here from the States, we were skint, uh, skint meaning being poor, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, so spend most evenings playing Call of Duty on the Wii. Passed many an evening of our formative years and fell into a clan, making good friends and even meeting up with some in Boston. So hours shouting abuse at randoms and calls of bullshit, but also bringing people together, too. So uh, if there's anything that shooting people in the head online uh, does, it brings people together. So <laughs> um, Then there's our buddy here, Alex McCumbers, who says, My worst memories are trying to play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 on West Virginia Internet and angering every person in my Xbox lobby. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's another thing. The ping rate had to be just right or else like, why the hell are you in my multiplayer match? Get out of here. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely feel like if you have someone who is, um, you know, who, who's definitely not on ideal internet speed, and like you still have that today, honestly, which is a shame. But you know, that's the country that we live in. Uh, then there's Justin Pinter who says, "I remember attending some of the press events for the first Modern Warfare games. I still have a T-shirt that says Go Hard, Go Deep' for Call of Duty Modern Warfare." So, so do phrasing. I. Still have it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> phrasing there. So, um, and finally, uh, there's our buddy here, Justin Papas, uh, who we've had on the show before uh, he's a game developer uh he says i remember seeing german soldier after german soldier pour out of the windows of an inn across the street from me i killed one after the other all the time thinking jesus they are human just like me humans who believe in something so deeply that they are throwing themselves at death in the name of it and yet everything they are dying for is to me totally abhorrent and worthy of death i was probably about 18 and it was really the first time i tangibly felt that there was no way to truly understand anything <laughs> so justin's really like you got kind of throwing in like uh i don't know like a very dramatic uh like like yeah. role here for sure but i mean like if you really think about it i mean as far as like you know seeing like how they're trying to make the games as realistic as possible with all this stuff i mean that's really putting yourself in the game at that point yeah i i will say this you know call of duty did give me uh probably my favorite celebrity encounter and i'll just bring up a quick story here real quick sure uh it was 2016 i want to say yeah it was it was before the release of infinite warfare it was during the summer when they were doing a special call of duty event and it was um playing multiplayer i was there with my buddy jenna bush and uh, we were playing it and everything and then this girl came over and sat with us and she played multiplayer and i realized it was michelle rodriguez from the fast and the furious series oh i remember the story now yeah yeah and <laughs> it was great because we were playing a multiplayer and everything and she's just like son of a bitch fuck <laughs> she was cursing like a, a storm and everything <laughs> i ran into her later and i was like boy you you really get in these matches don't you she's like don't you and i'm like yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I got a picture with her, and that was my great celebrity moment. Though I was really enjoying that. It was pretty yeah. cool. So, and she did yeah. recently uh, come on stage. I was for like the video game awards. I want to yeah. say, and like her and Vin Diesel basically talking about how they would play multiplayer games like all the time, like whenever they're like you know like on stage, like doing the uh, or like in the studio, or whatever, like you know making like the movies and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool to hear all that. Yeah, you know, and then they introduced that Fast and Furious game. So it sounds like we'll be seeing more of her in promotion. Maybe we'll run into her again and make her play more Call of Duty. That's it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for sharing your Call of Duty memories. Definitely a lot of good ones there. So, uh, And Robert, I believe you have a game code here to give away. I do. It's for One Finger Death Punch 2 on Steam. This is an awesome rhythmic action game where you have to take down opponents using quick button presses before it's too late. This game's actually coming to Steam next month, or I'm sorry, Switch next month, and it's pretty rad, but now you can play the Steam version for free. The code is lzm 98 4 H F D I 3 3 H Y 5. That's for One Finger Death Punch 2 on Steam. Enjoy. And if you do redeem it, let us know on Twitter at Ard Podcast. Indeed. And just want to give a shout out here to our patrons. And by the way, the, these are patrons who are $2 and up. So we kind of switched it uh, before. It was $5 and up. So now, so now we lowered it. Uh, so, you know, can I give more shout outs to you guys here? Uh, starting off with Francisco Limas, then John Blanco, Mac V Ball, Michael Butler. And Rosaline Dello Russo. So thank you very much, everyone, there for helping support the show. And if you, too, would also like to support the show, you could check us out at patreon.com slash ArtCast, where we have all sorts of new perks there and stuff. Like, we're adding like more and more perks uh, as we're going along here. And, uh, Robert, I believe you have a uh, you have like a new perk, actually, that we were talking about. I don't know if you want to like mention that here. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing stuff where I've been um, talking about like tips in, in terms of collecting stuff. Because I do these videos on my YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, included there in a link on our page. Um, and I talk about like the stuff I'm able to find for cheap. And a lot of people are like, wow, how do you find games for so cheap? And I'm like, where do you find wanna... all those magical deals? Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to give away every secret, but one thing I'm going to do with these videos is like stuff that you can do to kind of like find the best used games available or, you know, tips that help you like game hunt. Like I do, you know, stuff you could do. Like if you find a game without a box and you know, you want it to kind of still look good on your shelf, you know, things to look for with used game discs. So I'm going to start doing video tips on that and i believe that will be part of one of our tiers there and so if you guys are interested in learning more those videos will be available exclusively on that tier obviously we'll tell you more about it as it becomes available on twitter.com slash art podcast so keep an eye out for that and please join us on patreon we'd like to make more content for you guys if you help us We'll help you. Indeed, indeed. And uh, as um, you know, as, as like a name suggestion, just kind of throwing it out there. Uh, what about Robert's Just the Tips? <laughs> you are really terrible at this phrasing business. I will deal with the name. I don't know what it is with you and name. We're not doing that. No. Yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll think about it. 
We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out for sure. We so. will, but it definitely won't be you being in the face. <laughs> Just the tip. Yeah. Um, and that is Arcast episode 193, basically in the books. And if you would like to follow Arcast on Twitter, we are at Arg Podcast. Same thing with Facebook, facebook.com slash Arg Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at The Guilty Man. Find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also check out my work at pcinvasion.com, adventuresinpoortaste.com, and gamepur.com. And don't forget, we will also be at PAX East later this month. David's going to be on a couple of panels. I'm going to be around the show floor. If you guys want to high-five us, do so. We'll have lots of exclusive interviews at the show. Um, David, of course, will be taking part in the Tetris panel. Be sure to catch him, Morgan, and a whole bunch of our other friends on the panel. They're going to be talking about the Tetris series. It's going to be amazing. Uh, PAX East, Boston. Austin later this month. We will see you there. And if you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at argcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars, Animaniacs, or pop culture in general. There's also us with Ardcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. And yeah, that is episode number 193 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro, and remember, press X to pay respects. (laughs) There you go, yeah, yeah. And also watch out above, too, for any, like, airstrikes or anything like that. They're pretty rampant in the Call of Duty universe. So. They, they really are. And you never know. Robert Downey Jr. might show up in an F-14 as well. It, it, that's how crazy this universe gets. It's just everywhere. No. How could you, Michelle Rodriguez? I'm, you, I'm still trying to get on her friends list. She hasn't responded. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Catch you later. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.